Well, good morning. We're continuing on in our, our series, and we're going to end this in a couple of weeks. We've been looking at what authentic identity looks like. And uh, we talked a lot about who we are created to be, and uh, we looked at the book of Genesis and a lot of those areas, who we are, and that we're created to reflect the glory of God, to be like Him in the world, to be creative, and that He put uh, in us uh, our uniquenesses in male and female that represent, again, who, who God is in the world. And so we've looked at that, and we're, we've shifted over to uh, now in Christ, what has changed. And, and last week we talked a lot about uh, the fact that now we're being in Christ, we're a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come, and yet we're in this tension, we're in this meantime area of we're still here, God sees us in Christ, he sees us pure and holy as a follower of his, and yet we live in this tension of our uh, sinful realities around us. I want to read to you kind of the last passage uh, where we focused on, and then we're going to continue on from that. And it was in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. It says, God is so rich in his mercy that he loved us so much that even though we were dead in our sins, so we were dead in our sins, he gave us life. He gave us a new life. He brought us into life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. Of course, he's saying it's not because you earn it. It's not because you deserved it. It's not because you figured it out. But we have new life in Christ simply because of God's grace. And so that's where our identity comes from. All about grace, not in what we're able to achieve on our own. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Not again because of what we've done or how we've managed to do well or not do well in this life, but because of Christ. And we also read in that idea was, how can we be seated in the heavenly realms at the same time as we're in this room, you know, at this tension and this idea that God sees us as a finished product, that God sees us in Christ in the way that we are in reality for him today, seated with him in the heavenly realm. That's amazing. And yet in the meantime, we live here awaiting that day. And that's why we see in all Paul's writings this idea of longing, eager anticipation. It would be better for me to be away from this body because then I'll, I'll find myself in Christ in the heavenly realms. And so we live in a tension, live in a broken world. We're experiencing sin in our lives and the lives of people around us. But in all of this, we're God's handiwork. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We're created to do good works. We're going to talk about that today. So we're, if we're not in the heavenly realms today, like I wish sometimes, you know, like when we come to Christ, I guess all the times, <laughs> sometimes it'd be a little weird. Uh, someone comes to Christ and it's like zoop, you know, they're gone and they're in the heavenly realms and they disappear. That'd be weird if it happened once in a while, I guess. If it just happened that way, it'd be great because I wouldn't be left with this body, this, this, this sore body. My wife made me hike up Evans Peak yesterday, dragged me up kicking and screaming. I, I smiled a lot and I frowned a lot. There's a little bit of both, I would say. And I'm surprised I can stand today. She'd be proud of me. She didn't know how I was. I'm doing pretty good up and down the stairs. I survived. But this idea is that we live in a body that's weak and frail right now. Some of you are experiencing loss and you're experiencing cancer, you're experiencing things that says, you know what, it would be better to be with the Lord. But because we're here, and because we're left here, we were created as God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. In other words, there's something we should be doing. 
If we're here and we're in Christ and we remain here, then there's something that God's prepared for us to do. And we want to talk a little bit more about that this week. Our new identity in Christ is that, yes, we're a new creation and we're here in the meantime, and yet we're connected in a way to God's purposes. And I want you to learn something today, and maybe you've known this for many years and I want it to be fresh and new, is that to do these good works, to do what we're called to do, isn't just something then you go figure out on your own. This isn't a lonely adventure. This is a community adventure. That when we come to Christ as part of our identity of being in Christ, we join into a family. We join into, another word would be, a, a kingdom, a community, the body of Christ, the church. And we're going to look at how that all intertwines today in Scripture. How important is it for us to understand that if we're going to try to figure out who we are in this world, that I believe that in Christ, in order for you to figure out who you are and what you're designed to do and be, involves, for some of you, you're going to say, unfortunately, and that's okay, it involves people around you. It involves people around you. You are not called into being with Christ alone. From the beginning, from the beginning in Genesis we read, it was not good for man to be alone. It was what God had planned for man was not something he was going to be able to accomplish in this world alone. That wasn't the plan. It wasn't good. Even though there was a relationship with God, everything was good there, God looked at him and said, what I want you to accomplish in the world, I want you to be fruitful, I want you to be productive, I want you to be creative, I want you to fill this earth with your creativity, and I need you to have people to do this with. And he put us in the community. Every movement we see throughout Scripture where God was about doing something in the world that he had planned to do, he used a community of people. And so in the Old Testament, you'll see, of course, Adam and Eve built into family, into the DNA. And then you see God pulling aside an individual and a family, Abraham's family, and saying, I'm going to use your family to do this thing. It was a community thing. And then evolving into a nation, the nation of Israel, that Israel was going to be the means in which God was going to bless the world, and he was going to fulfill his purposes through Israel. And for us today, he's invited us into a community to accomplish what he has for us. What he has for you, what he has for me, actually involves a community now. And I believe that community is called the church. And so I want to, if we continued from Ephesians 2, and we were to continue on, I can't read all of Ephesians 2 for you, but it's a great passage of scripture. I read through all of Ephesians last night again, and it's a good idea to do that. He continues, it says, so now there's no longer Gentiles, so you're no longer Gentiles, you're no longer strangers, there's no longer foreigners. So all these, these you know, ideas of groups of people in Christ, there's no longer a difference. So we already read that a little bit last week. There's no difference between those who are slaves, those who are masters, those who are males, those who are females, those who were barbarians, it said, those who were civilized. And now he says in Ephesians also, it doesn't matter if you're Gentiles or you're strangers or foreigners in the land, together in Christ, 
We become citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members now of God's family. So it doesn't matter where your ethnic background is. doesn't matter where you were born. doesn't matter where you came from. The truth is, now your identity in Christ, you have a new belonging. And your belonging is in God's family. Together words are all throughout Scripture. Together, then we are his house. There's no longer an old temple system anymore where God's presence resides, but together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone of this foundation is Christ Jesus himself. And we are carefully joined together in him. So your in-himness of being in Christ in your identity is joined together with other people in him, other believers of Jesus Christ. We are carefully then joined together, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. And so we want to unpack this. We want to understand this. I think one of the major defining moments in my spiritual walk, when I realized that to follow Jesus in this world, to be committed to him, to be a follower of his, to do his will, was going to intimately involve how I live and do life with other people. In fact, I would go farther than that. The measure of the health of my spiritual vitality, my progress, of who I am spiritually is intimately connected with my relationships around me. When Jesus was asked, of course, this idea of the greatest commandment in the law, Jesus replied, yes, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandments. And the second is like it. It's loving your neighbors yourself. Jesus said, I can't give you one command that the way it works is that when you're love in loving relationship with God, it spills over into how you love and do relationships with other people. In fact, Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 13, people will know that you're a disciple of mine based upon how often you read your Bible. That's not what he said, right? How often you will go and pray. That's not what he said. How often you fast. How often you... He, he didn't use the individual things we can accomplish. He says, the way people will know that you're one of my disciples, that you're a follower of mine, is going to be based upon how you love people. And so to be a healthy, mature, growing Christian involves people. There's no way around it. In the book of John... He says, basically, you, you can't deny this. You can't say you love God, but you just don't like people. <laughs> you can't say you love God and hate people. You can't do it. Something's wrong. If you love God, you love people. That's the way it works. That's how intimately connected this whole idea is. So if you are a child of God, you are brought into this family, you are adopted then into a community so Philippians says, our citizenship is in heaven. Yes, we eagerly wait our Savior there. Our citizenship of heaven includes all of us. We're citizens together. And in Romans 8, all of Romans 8, Paul keeps talking about this whole idea of adoption and becoming a child of God. 
So when you receive God's spirit in you, you are adopted as his own children. Now we get to call him Abba Father. It's one of the reasons why I think it's very important for you to learn to pray to your father as a father. Because it reminds you that we are his children. We are his children. That's how we pray. We're taught to pray that way. Jesus said, pray our father. Why? Because if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you're in a family. You're in a family now, which involves community. And so his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we're one of God's children. And so I believe this throughout all the New Testament is very clear that the expression of God's family is now the church. The church referring to back and forth the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. The body of Christ or the church is God's family. You're a part of it when you start to follow Jesus Christ. Uh, last week, uh, I, do a, I did a class here discovering our church, discovering Heritage Church, and we, we have people come, and, and we talk a little bit about church membership, and I always have to admit up front to say, look, when you come to Christ, you're already a member of God's family. So joining the local church doesn't now make you a member of God's family. You are a member of God's family. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a member of his family. That's just the way it is. Church membership is basically saying, who are the people? Who are the people that you're going to love, encourage, serve, be corrected by, do life with? It's identifying the family, the local expression of the family. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are already a member of the church. And I know a lot of people, and I have a lot, of, I know they have a lot of good reasons and say, I have no problem following Jesus, but I don't really love the church. I say, well, I get it. I lived in the church my entire life. The problem is this, you cannot come to Christ, you cannot follow him without learning how to love his body. Can't do it. It's part of the growth process. It's part of what we do. Our identity in Christ is connected to the body of Christ. You can't say, well, I love the head, but I really don't like your body, Jesus. It just won't go well. If you ever had a spouse say that to you, it doesn't really go very well. And do that. And here's the thing. The church then, the church then, if what we're saying is true, is not a something out there thing. So even saying, I don't like the church, you're actually looking in the mirror and saying, I don't like me. And this has been hard, I would say, in the church where we have to wrestle with you. You constantly have to remind yourself, you're the church. You're the church. You're the body of Christ. So if you think the church needs to be more what? That's you. More relevant, more supportive, more giving, more loving, more accepting, more welcoming. That's you. So we have to take responsibility of that. You can't say, well, I wish our church had more joyful worship. I'd say, then get more joyful. You can't say, well, I wish the church was more bright and light in the world around us. Then I'd say, then turn on the light. You cannot separate this concept of the church needs to do this and I'm over here. 
We need to get connected and become the community the way God has designed us to be. And I love 1 Corinthians 12. This is one of the main verses. Just it's a short one, good for you to remember, is this. Together, all of you together, that word again, that's us in the room and everywhere else in the world. But together, we are the body of Christ. And each of you here today as a follower of Jesus Christ is a separate, yes, but a necessary part of it. You are designed to be connected to each other, and you're a necessary part of the church. So two things I would say on either side. One is, whatever the church needs to accomplish in this world, you're a part of that. You're a necessary part of that. And whatever you are supposed to accomplish in the world will involve the church the other people around you. Now, this is why this does not fly very well in today's context of our culture. Because what this really means is that in Christ, we have to accept that there's roles, expectations of doing life connected to other people. And our society right now is saying, your identity your identity and who you are needs to get rid of all expectations, roles, other people's opinions on you. You need to shred all that up and then you will be free to be you. And I need you to know that in the church, in the Bible, that does not exist as an identity. And if you try to live out a faith in Christ in a way that shreds off or gets rid of all the responsibility, expectations, or roles that are placed on you, you will be miserable. It won't work. It is not good for you to try to follow Jesus alone. I'll reinterpret Genesis for you. It's not good for you to be in relationship with God alone. Process that. Adam was in relationship with God alone and it wasn't good if you are trying to live out your faith alone i have great confidence in saying god would say that's not good that's not good in fact the work that he has prepared for you in advance requires doing it with other people romans in later in romans in chapter 12 Paul's saying this. I want to give you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. I always think that's pretty... Paul, he's just harsh. He's straight up. Hey, don't get full of yourself here. But this is perfect. This is perfect in, in our context of our world. Is going like, don't stare at yourself too much and think that by yourself or alone, you're all that. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. This is what he's trying to say here. This is so important. The evaluation of yourself for you to see yourself properly requires for you to see yourself as joined and connected to community. You see that? So measure yourself by faith that God has given us. Just as our body, so now he's, he's moving right into community, how we deal life with each other. He says don't think of yourself differently than who you are. Think of yourself properly the way God is. Here's how you do that. Understand that there's many different people out there. They all have different functions. 
many parts. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. That's how to see yourself properly, he says. Not thinking of yourself better than you are. You're not a complete person without community. You're not Jesus. Now, if you have spouse or kids, they remind you of that all the time. That's for sure. But look at This is what it says. Many parts of one body, and we all, yikes, belong, belong to each other. Belong to each other. That goes completely against everything out there our culture is teaching about your identity. In other words, you have a responsibility to other people. Last week, we focused on you are not your own. You were bought with a price. You are under Christ in that you are his. Do you know what this week now is? Not only are you his, but if you're his, that means you are others as well. Because to be in Christ or to be his means you belong to other people. That means I have to give up my rights. I give up my rights of who I think I am. Of my preference. And so when churches fight about preference, they're forgetting who they really are. We're in Christ. I think if we want to know our purpose then I think this statement helps. Who God made me to be determines what he intends me to do. So if he made me to be a person who glorifies him, it's going to determine what I do and how I do that. And I believe then I'm going to understand the purpose of my life better when I discover the kind of person that God created me to be in community. I believe that God created you to be a certain way to do certain things because he planned for you to exist connected in community. I'm just probably going to say it over and over a few times because I actually think this is pretty um, life-altering, actually. <laughs> Whatever it is that God has designed you to be, be a person in community, determines how you do life. How are you going to do your life? You can choose to try to do life isolated and alone on your own, or you can choose to do life within community. So here at Heritage, this is our vision statement, we aspire to be a caring people who are focused on Jesus, okay, building community, and impacting the world. And I think they actually work in that way. I think they're progressive. In other words, if I focus on Jesus, he's going to call me into building community, into my life. That's not a program that's building a community. If I'm focused on Jesus, he will lead me into community. And the purpose of community is to make a difference and impact the world. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save what was lost. And as the Father sent me in the world, he now says he sends us. And so we have a purpose to impact the world. 
And so sometimes you get really excited about that. I get excited about that because I, I do wake up and sometimes I don't even sleep about it. I, I, and I forget about waking up. Sometimes I can't fall asleep thinking about I want to make a difference. What God always has to remind me is if you want to make a difference, then you need to build into community. You need to be part of a community in order to make a difference. Because I am going to lead you somewhere to impact the world. But in the middle of how that gets done is through community. And I am a rather independent person. And sometimes that feels like it slows me down a little bit. And that can be frustrating. Because I want to do things a certain way. And God says, well, we're going to get some things done, but you have to build community. Community creates balance, Sean. You don't see everything the way you need to see it. You don't understand everything the way you think needs to be done isn't necessarily how it needs to be done. It's through the body of Christ coming together that we're actually able to impact the world in the proper way. And so I believe it's progressive. If you're going to focus on Jesus, Jesus is going to draw you into community. And if you've been fighting community or connecting in community or finding your fit in community, then you're probably feeling stuck spiritually and you're probably feeling frustrated that you don't know how you're going to make a difference in the world. Believe that. And if you want to make a difference in the world, then you better find a community to build into. So I want to talk, tonight I'm, I'm having this backstage pass thing, and one of the reasons I do that is it gives us opportunity to have interaction. It gives us opportunity to kind of talk a little bit more about in depth and how we do things. And so tonight I want to, I want to unpack what I'm going to run you through right now. I've actually gone through some of, these, some of these points in this way when I first got here. I think it was week two when I was here. I went... And then I kind of chuckled and I said, you know, I don't think they didn't even know who I was at that point. I don't think, you know, they were still trying to figure out who I was versus what I was trying to say, which I thought was really important. I think it's okay to go back and say, let's say this again now that you know who I am. Now that you know what we're trying to do as a church and where we're trying to go, we're trying to impact the world. And you have a purpose and a plan connected to each other. So I want to talk about this because I believe this. God has shaped you for serving others as the body of Christ. You were designed to serve in Christ. So I want to read real quickly Philippians chapter 2, one of my favorite passages as well. If you have any encouragement, he says, from being united with Christ... So if you find that being united in Christ, being in Christ is a good thing. Now he's asking, it's a rhetorical question he's saying here. So do you find that's a good thing to be in Christ? Okay, if you find that's true, if you're finding that you get comfort from his love being in Christ, if you find that it's awesome sharing in the spirit of Christ, if you experience his tenderness and his compassion, then make my joy complete, he says to the church. So if you're experiencing all this, this blessing and generosity from being in Christ, if that's how you're receiving, that's what you're experiencing, then make my joy complete and be like him. What was Jesus like? Well, be like him in the love. Be like him in spirit and in one mind. So then this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Same thing. Selfish ambition. What do I want to accomplish in the world? 
Don't do things out of what you want to get done in the world. Vain conceit. Thinking you can do it. You know what's, what's going to happen in your life and aim for that. It says don't do it that way. Rather, the way you need to do this, if you find unity in Christ, rather in humility, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another. So now he's just moved again, and this happens all throughout the New Testament. Talks about your walk with Jesus. So in Christ, in your relationship with Christ, now we move this over and say, so in your relationships with one another. How do you live out your faith in Christ? In your relationships with one another. Have the same mindset that Christ had who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. To be in Christ is a call to live like Christ. To live like Christ means that in your relationships with other people, you have to have the same mindset that Jesus had. And so I believe that God has put you together in your life circumstances, in every way you are built to do life with each other to accomplish what God has. And so I want to talk a little bit about that. I think I'm going to talk more about it tonight, so I'm going to whip through it now. And I want to unpack it tonight. In fact, tonight, we're going to actually be able to sit down and actually do some little bit of workshopping on it so that you can go home and you can understand better how God has designed you to be in community to serve the body of Christ. I believe each of us have been given spiritual gifts. Paul talks about this all the time, that in Christ, you form the body of Christ together. Which means all of us have been given different kinds of spiritual gifts. The same spirit is the one who gives them all. But there are different kinds of service. We serve the same Lord, but there's different ways we do it. God works in different ways. But it's the same God who does the work in all of us. Why does he keep going back and forth? Basically saying, don't fight about this stuff. <laughs> Look, it's the same spirit, same source, same Lord, Gifts are different. Each of you have different sets, a different way that God has designed you to be, but there's the same purpose behind it all. It's the same God, the same Lord. A spiritual gift is given then to each of us that we can do what? Help each other, serve each other, be the body of Christ. I think it's important if you've been walking with Jesus for a time, is to start wrestle with, if this is true, if God has given me spiritual gifts, he's given me an ability, a certain gift and ability to serve other people, do you know what that is? Do you know what that gift is? Do you know what those gifts could be that he's given you to serve people with? I'm going to talk about that tonight. What does that look like? What does that mean? A spiritual gift is a unique thing in that I believe this, that when God wants to do a spiritual work in the world and with other people, he uses people and their spiritual gifts. So when I serve God with a spiritual gift, I'm able to make a spiritual impact. 
when God wants to minister to someone in the body of Christ or even outside the body of Christ, and I use the gift that he's given me from the Spirit, that is the conduit in which God can minister to people. It's how he's choosing to do it. And so each of you have a unique way that God wants to minister to people spiritually. And if you were to accomplish this purpose and design the way God designed you to do, it would be pretty important for you to try to figure out what are those ways that God wants to minister through me spiritually to other people. It's a great privilege. But of course then comes responsibility. When we identify those things as, wow, God wants to work through me. Not only does God want to work with me, God has entrusted it to me. So if he's going to accomplish what he wants to accomplish, then I need to know what those are. The next thing I believe God has created is a heart passion for all of you to live out some of the areas in which God is passionate about being in the world. And I don't think we have a complete view or passion for all things because we're not Christ. We're the body of Christ connected together. And I think God, it says, is working in you, giving you the desires and the power to do what pleases him. As a follower of Jesus Christ, it says he's working in you. He's giving you desires to do what he wants. And I mentioned this when I got here, and it's really important I probably say it again, is this. This is where I think most of the problems in the churches happen. I really do. I think this is where churches start to fight with each other, not just about spiritual gifts. That happens too. Lots of churches divide up all about spiritual gifts. I don't think that one's a good one. This one's a bad one. We like this one better. But this area as well. This idea that God has given you a passion for part of the ministry that Jesus performed in the world. But you don't, you're not a complete complete Jesus, so you only have parts of that. And I think it's this. I think some of these. Some of you have a passion for the truth. You say, well, everyone should have a passion for the truth. Well, everyone should love truth. But some of you are wired for knowing the word, teaching the word, that people would understand what truth is. So probably right now in society, who's kind of taking truth and just throwing it out the window, you're just going nuts. It's like, no, like this is like, I have to tell everybody. Now sometimes these people get carried away and they put it on signs and they run around the neighborhood screaming at people, truth, 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 truth. It's, and these people would say, right, everyone just needs to know the word and know the truth. Because if they know the truth, the truth will set them free. Scriptural. It's really important. But I believe God has given some of you a passion that he has for truth in a unique way. And that's great because the body needs people who care about the truth. But some of you are like, yeah, but you just said in Philippians that Jesus came and his primary thing on a mission which he came was to be a servant. He came to serve. And so some churches say, well, yeah, you're all about truth and, and truth and truth and truth and people come in and you just hammer them with truth. But we have to serve the world around us. We have to serve the brokenhearted. We have to serve the needy. Jesus served people. And people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You guys don't know that one? You got to get that one. It's a good one. So that's, is that true? Absolutely it's true. And so part of the body of Christ, some of you have this heart that just says, you know what, I, 
I just want to serve people. I want to love on people. I want to care for people. I want to help people. And if we truly are the hands and the feet of Jesus in this world, they will know Jesus. And you're right. It's part of the body. And some people are saying, well, I, just, I believe in community, that we just have to love on people and love them and love them and love them. And you just said, Sean, that if, if people will know who Jesus is by our love for one another. It's true. It's part of what does it mean to be the body of Christ. And some of you are just passionate about that. We just have to be loving people. We have to visit people. We have to care for people. We have to rally around. We have to have small groups. And this is like the most important thing the church can do. And I would say it is one of the most important things the church can do. And some of you are like, ugh, community. Just give me a Bible. I'll read it on my own. It's great. Doing life with people, that's hard. You're just not passionate about it. Doesn't mean you're not supposed to, because I'm talking all about it today. Some of you are wired for worship, and you're just like, you know what? If we just sing our hearts out, we pray our hearts out, we dedicate our lives to the Lord in complete dedication, humble dedication to the Lord, the people will see us by our love, see us as our love for the Lord, and they will come to him. We just be the light, and, the, and they, will, they will come. It's true. It's part of the church. It's part of what we're supposed to do. But some of you are extremely passionate about it, and you're meant to be. And some of you are like, Sean, you didn't... If we don't go and tell people, it doesn't matter how much we sing, it doesn't matter how much we love each other, it doesn't matter how much you give cold water, if you do not tell them that Jesus loves them and invite them into a relationship with them, it doesn't matter, it's all waste. It's, it's true. The body needs to do that. But here's what happens in a lot of churches. <laughs> they start fighting about which one of these is most important. And then they all leave together and say, we'll be the church, we'll be the truth-telling church. Well, we'll be the serving church. Well, we'll just be the worshiping church. We'll just love each other church. We'll just be the evangelistic church. And here's the thing, for us to, I believe, be a God-honoring church, the true body of Christ, we have to know how to do all of those together in a balanced way. And the only way that will ever happen here, and my job is to help us do that by helping you figure out what is your role? What is your passion? How do you help us form the body of Christ here in this local expression so that we can actually be the full body of Christ? We can't choose one over another. We have to be balanced and we have to do them all in order to be the body of Christ here in Abbotsford. Some of you have been given abilities. You've just been given skill sets and, and you just have them. And it says each person should use whatever they receive to serve other people. It doesn't say you should use all your skill sets to make as much money as possible. It's not what he said. You should use your skill sets to serve people. Some of you just have amazing skills that I don't have. And I have skills you don't have. And all together, we, we fit together and we make the body of Christ fully equipped for every good work. Fully equipped. I believe this. In our church, we are fully equipped. Fully impassioned and fully equipped and fully gifted to do everything that God has for us. But only if we do it together. Only if we do it together. And then your personalities. 
And some of you have some real personality. That's great. And I believe God wants to use your personality. Some of you are introverted. Some of you are extroverted. Some of you are very intuitive. Some of you are very sensing. And we need all your personalities the way God designs you to be to come to play. Experiences. God has given you all kinds of experiences in your life. And he says, for those who love him, he doesn't waste those things. He takes all of those experiences in our life and he turns them into the good things that he has for him. His glory's sake. And the last one I want to hit on, we're going to go through all these tonight, is this deposit investment. I believe that when we get to heaven in Christ, I don't, I don't think he's, he's going over my sins because my sins have been dealt with on the cross. I don't think that's going to happen. I think my faith and my trust is that my sins have been atoned for, and I get before him. There's no big justice scale, scale up there that says you've been good or you've been some bad, and if it gets in the right spot, then I guess you'll make it. That's, that scale, judgment, is gone. The judgment has been dealt with on Jesus Christ on the cross. The scale is gone, but I do believe he's going to ask me, Sean, the way I made you to be, what I put in your hands the way I shaped and formed you, I invested in you to make an investment in this world, in the body of Christ. What did you do with what I gave you? I believe that is happening. And it says, some of the works that we do up there, they're just selfishly done and they burn up and they weren't for his glory's sake. And there's others that they served out of a love for God and a love for others. And their work remains, and they'll be rewarded accordingly. And I believe that God has put in you uniquenesses and your gifts and your abilities and your talents. There's opportunities that some of you have been given that others haven't been given. There's resources that some of you have that others don't have. And we don't need to look around at each other people and go, oh, I wish I was more skilled. I wish I was more, you know, wealthy. I wish I had a better this or a better opportunity or I wish I didn't have this problem going on in my life. You simply got to look at your life, your situation, the way God has designed and equipped you and say, what is it that God has invested in me that he expects me to use for his glory's sake in eternity. That's it. My job, and this is important, and I say this in the evenings, I've said this before, and I'll say it again tonight. This is really important because some of you can't make it. My job, I believe, is to make sure our church is balanced as the body of Christ and that we are empowering people to do what God has called them to do. What I don't want to do in this church is create a bunch of programs and then try to make you fit into a program because there's a program. I believe that God has called us to do some things and your uniquenesses should fit into that. And if we don't have people that are passionately called, gifted, and equipped to do something, that we're not asked to do it. So my job is not to generate a bunch of ideas that I think God wants us to do. My job is to ask you, what is God calling you to do? How has he gifted you to do it? How has he equipped you to do it? And how do we as a community play a role in it? It's really important. 
Because the way that God has designed each of us unique, we all play a part and we come together. If we do our part well, we will accomplish everything that God has asked us to do. Part of communion, we're moving into a time of communion. Maybe you didn't realize this, but one of the reasons why we come together once a month and we take communion is to remind ourselves that we are in community. We're not asked to take communion on our own. We're asked to take communion when we come together in community. It reminds us of a couple of things. One is that we all have the same past. That we're all guilty and would be under judgment without Jesus Christ. It levels the field. All have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And so we humbly come together and recognize that before Christ, we are only saved by grace. And that's how we form a community. Humbled. The other thing we're called to do is to remember that there also is a future here. And Jesus said, there's coming a day when he will partake of this table with all of his children. And so when we come together in community, we always remind ourselves that we are humbled in his presence. We have a sober mind about who we are, that we are simply saved by grace. And yet today in this community, we will one day all be together in glory, holy and precious in his sight, completely unified, every nation, every tongue, every tribe from all over the world become a family of God together. And so part of communion is to remember our commonalities. And I think Paul talks about in Corinthians 11, says not taking communion in an unworthy manner, forgetting the body of Christ. And I, I do believe we're supposed to reflect on the suffering body of Christ. But I believe Paul, if you read everything that he was talking about all around that, what he remembers is says, when you come, do not forget the body of Christ. You're part of the body of Christ. The person next to you is part of the body of Christ. Don't come in a way that diminishes the importance of the body of Christ. It humbles us again to admit that it's not good for us to do life alone, that we're broken together. So I'm going to ask the elders to come that are going to serve it. And the way we're going to do it today is uh, hand out the bread first, which represents the broken body of Jesus Christ. And so everyone takes the bread. I'm going to come up and we're going to partake together. And again, I'll say this. This is the Lord's table. This is not Heritage Alliance Church table. This is representing the body of Christ. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you're part of that. Whether or not you're part of Heritage, officially, unofficially, you're visiting here, it doesn't matter. This is his table representing his body. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ today, you are welcome to partake. So we're going to serve out as we're singing, take the bread. I'm going to come up, we'll partake together, and then we'll serve out the cup, 
and we'll partake together and we'll conclude the service.